Welcome to Heart of the Matter. I wonder if we can start with a word of prayer. And particularly if we can remember um, someone here at the studio named Micah who is having severe health issues, include him in this prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this studio. We thank you for uh, health and blessings and family and this country and the freedom to do shows like these. We pray, Lord, that your blessings will be upon us, be upon me, that I will just let your message come through, I will die to myself, and I will speak the things that you want to be said. Bless the viewers, bless our interaction as we talk over the phone, that we will have respect and love as we talk about your son, even Jesus Christ. And please, Lord, be with Micah uh, in the hospital as he struggles with his disease. Our prayers are with him, Lord. We thank you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I asked if you had been born again. I said that I didn't care if you were LDS or Catholic or Pentecostal or Baptist or Calvary Chapel or whatever. I just asked the question, have you been born again? Um, there's an amazing correlation between spiritual rebirth and the messages that you get in your church. Churches that teach Jesus Christ through the Bible, verse by verse, um, exegetically, that means not reading into the text, but just reading the verse by verse and explaining them, have a much greater potential of reaching their members and helping them experience spiritual rebirth than churches that don't teach exegetically and don't teach verse by verse. Churches that avoid biblical teachings, typically what they do is they, um, they start teaching from their own stories, their own opinions, and you never really get God's true word. So I propose that the clearer the picture of Jesus and the more frequently and deeply it is presented, the greater the genuine harvest of souls, and the stronger the faith of the believers. Since our first show, I've received a number of emails from Latter-day Saints who insist on claiming that Mormonism, and remember last week we talked about the difference between Mormonism and Mormons, and there's a very big difference, but they insist on claiming that Mormonism teaches and reinforces and emphasizes spiritual rebirth. We had a caller last week who um, said that the quantitative difference between the Book of Mormon and the Bible regarding spiritual rebirth was miraculous, and the Book of Mormon teaches spiritual rebirth, and that's evidence that the LDS Church is very concerned with the spiritual regeneration of their people. This is just not so. And I, I, I don't say that in... Um, in derogatory terms. I want to speak in facts. In fact, let me say this. I'm not someone who wants to resort to spin. I don't like apologetics, which is a big word for argument. Um, I don't want to uh, use religious rhetoric. I don't want to use the um, exceptions of certain things to make a general rule. I hope that when we communicate, we can communicate openly and of course, honestly, and I think everybody wants to communicate honestly, but openly and really lay things out as they are and not try to win the argument or try to prove points that aren't really necessarily valid. If there's a problem in the Christian church, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. 
I'm not in the pockets of any church. I'm not funded necessarily by anybody in particular. I come on here and I say really what I want. Hopefully I'm saying what is biblical and what the Lord wants me to say. But I don't have an agenda and I don't have to say certain things and not say certain things. I hope we can have that communication as we open up the lines. This being said, let me say this loud and clear. The Latter-day Saint Church or Mormonism does not teach the need for spiritual regeneration. And I want to give you uh, a few reasons why, and I think it will make sense. And we're going to talk about the whys versus the, uh, the wrongness or the rightness of it. We're just going to explain what the differences are between Christian theology regarding rebirth and Mormon theology regarding rebirth, and then we'll open up the, the phone lines to discuss that. The first thing to, to understand is spiritual rebirth is logical only if the first birth is faulty. There would be no need for a second birth if the first birth was perfect. Um, the Bible makes it very clear that all of us are born in sin, that Adam brought sin into this world and that we come to this world in a sinful state. Now let me clarify this. This is not to say that, that children can commit sin or infants can commit sin. It means that infants and children are born into sin. If you look at a child, you'll see that they do not evidence anything that is uh, gr of grace or God. They are selfish. They are um, egocentric. They are mine, mine, mine. They are very much uh, uh, of the flesh. And that's a normal state to be in when we come into this world. And often those children will grow up as adults who learn the outward mannerisms of how to look polite, but inwardly there's still the child that is selfish and egocentric and all those things that come along with being an infant. So that state of infancy is a state of sinfulness. And it takes a new birth, a spiritual regeneration, to transcend from being in the flesh to being in the spirit. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he didn't say, I tell you, you must clean yourself up. Or, I tell you, Nicodemus, you must grow step-by-step step progressionally until you get to the point where you're worthy of me. He said you must be born again. And the words born again, what they mean, literally, are you're going to get new life. And that's because the old life is not the one we want to operate by. We have to be born again in order to see the kingdom of heaven. So, one reason that Latter-day Saints have difficulty with it is the LDS church or Mormonism teaches that we are not born in a sinful state, that we are innocent, and that it's only as we acquire sins in, uh, around the age of accountability that are we falling into a more sinful state. Um, and that is counterintuitive to what the Bible teaches about spiritual birth and being born again. Also, um, the Bible teaches that we are not automatically the children of God. We are creations of God when we're born. And we don't become a child of God until the Lord uh, regenerates our spirit. We accept Jesus as the Christ. We uh, testify of him with our mouth and accept him for what he is. And then we, be we become the child of God that John talks about. LDS theology, on the other hand, not that all Mormons believe this, but LDS theology is, you are automatically a child of God. 
when you come into this earth, he is your father and you have all access and right to him that anybody would have. From the day you're born all the way through, as long as you remain, quote unquote, and I say this with respect, worthy. So again, we have a, a difference between the Christian view of who we are when we're in this world, the biblical view, and the LDS view of what we are when it comes to spiritual rebirth. Um, a second thing that we have to consider when it comes to spiritual regeneration uh, from the Bible and the LDS point of view is that um, we have to recognize ourselves in a certain position in order to come to God and, under, and, and to have him change our life. And that position is we have to look at our sinful state. Most of the Christians I know came before the Lord in a broken state. And what they did was they realized what sinners they were. They examined their heart. They couldn't control their lives on their own. They couldn't make sense of anything on their own. And in the state of brokenness, went to the Lord and said, please take over my life. I turn my life over to Jesus. Jesus, help me. I accept you. I repent. Forgive me. Whatever is said in that sinner's prayer, and they experienced spiritual regeneration. And last week I told you my own story and I experienced the very same thing. No matter who I talk to in this world, whether they be Messianic Jews or Baptists or whatever denomination, even LDS sometimes, they always have that same experience that they go to the Lord and they say, I can't manage my own life anymore. I'm not capable of overcoming my own sin nature. Please God, save me. This is in contrast to what the LDS church usually promotes. See, if you're born innocent and you are born a child of God, the LDS theology is let's build upon that and make you a better and better and better person. So what happens is, is you go through life as a better and better and better person and you never break. You never say, look at myself relative to God. All you say is, look how well I've done. Yes, you will steal the cookie from the cookie jar, and yes, you will lie to your mom or dad, or, or yes, you will have the lustful thought or tell the business lie, but those, those small crimes you're able to justify with repentance and say you're sorry to God in prayer at night, all those things that come along with religious practices, but in reality, you have not been born again, and you haven't gotten to a place where you're going to allow yourself to be born again. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and sin egregiously. What I'm saying is you have to look at your heart truly for what it is relative to a holy God. And if you examine what your heart really is underneath the white shirt, underneath the tie, behind the suit and the nice haircut, you will have to admit that you're corrupt because we all are. And when you admit that and you see what God is, that distance, that gap, you're going to call out to God for help if you truly want him. So that's another reason. A third reason Mormonism uh, has difficulty with spiritual rebirth is that Mormonism teaches that spiritual rebirth is progressional. That means that you go to church and you renew your covenants at baptism at the sacrament table and you repent, at, you repent of your sins and you take the sacrament as, re, as a reminder and you make promises there that you took at baptism and you go throughout a week and you work on those things and then the next time you come on Sunday to take the sacrament again, you do that again. And throughout your life as you do this, that, that is what Latter-day Saints traditionally believe is the regenerative experience that Mormons 
should experience. But birth is not a progressive thing. It's not a progression. Births don't happen over a week period of time, over a month, over a year, week after week. Births are immediate. And, and the Bible teaches that when you come to the Lord and you confess Jesus as the Christ and you confess your sins and you repent and you be baptized or forget the baptism, you repent, you come to the Lord, it's immediate. Your rebirth is an immediate event. Now that doesn't mean you're done. Now you start progressing through your soul, getting in line with what God wants you to do. And that's the lifelong process that the LDS Church is very good at, at working with with their members how to be better and better in your life. But they put the cart before the horse. They put the cart of doing better and better and better without having the, the horse pull that cart. And that's a major difference. Christianity teaches that when you ask the Lord to take over your life and you do this in faith, you are saved. You confess with your mouth. And the Bible teaches that you are saved by doing that. I believe that the LDS church needs to have this immediate Jesus experience, for lack of a better word. I believe that this, that this state, because it's kind of the headquarters for the LDS church, needs a revival. I see nothing wrong with Latter-day Saints and Christians coming together and non-denominationally into a great forum and having a great preacher teach the word of Jesus Christ and having Latter-day Saints go forward and pledge their allegiance and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins and take over their sins and have a revival. And then they can go back to their LDS church if they choose. There doesn't have to be about what church you go to. It's just about putting Jesus first in your life. I think this would take a lot of heat off the LDS church for being cultic, use the C word, which I don't like, but I think it would take a lot of heat off them. They could say, well, our, our, our members are openly welcome to go and, and, and experience the Lord. I wish the LDS churches would do that at their own churches. Have, a, have an altar call and ask their members to come forward and praise Jesus there in the chapels and ask him to take over their life and then worship him. Finally, uh, well, actually, the immediate rebirth is followed by a progressional rebirth, and that's followed by the ultimate rebirth, which is resurrection. It's really a three-part uh, uh, process, but the first, process, first part is what I'm talking about. Finally, Mormonism teaches that true processional rebirth includes an allegiance to an institution and an allegiance to the institutional's rules. Again, I differ with that. Christianity teaches that, the, that Christ Church is a body of believers of all different shapes and sizes and talents and, and walks and looks and dress codes and facial hairs and all these different things, different practices, different ways that they try to reach God. There's a very broad spectrum within the Christian community of spiritual gifts versus not spiritual gifts versus this and that, and that disturbs a lot of Latter-day Saints. But... Rebirth is not conditioned on an institutional response. It's not tied to what church you go to. It's tied to your relationship with the Lord. And so it's religion versus relationships. In my opinion, Mormonism teaches that rebirth is tied to religion. Christianity teaches that rebirth is tied to a relationship. Before we go to the phone lines, let me just remind you of a couple things. John 8.32 says, Jesus will make us free. John 10.9 says, Jesus is the door. 
Ephesians 2.8 says he is our access to the spirit. It says that he is the living water, that he is the living bread, that he's the light of this world, that he is God in the flesh, John 14.9, that he's the good shepherd, that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is the vine, that he is the rock, that he is alpha and omega, the first and the last. Paul sought only to teach him to the Corinthians. And Paul considered all things a loss but his knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to learn of him, that Christ be formed in us, to come unto him, to draw nigh unto him, to come after him, to look to him, to follow him, to find him, to receive him, to see him, to know him, to dwell in him, to witness of him, to live by him, to testify of him, honor him, love him. And yes, my friends, the Bible says to worship him. I pray for revival in this state among the leaders of the LDS church, the LDS families, the LDS teens, the LDS children. And I pray that Jesus will in fact be the center of the lives, that he will be praised, worshiped and adored as the one who brings us to the Father worthy. I worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. He has given me new life that I will stand by for the rest of my days. I may fail as a man, but he will always stand with me. And I pray his blessings upon each one of you as we go to the phone. Please call with any questions, comments, opinions, critiques, but please be polite. We're going to go to a question. And it came, actually it's a comment that came earlier. Excuse me one second. This is a comment from an LDS person. It is important to recognize that Jesus, uh, to recognize Jesus Christ, but there are ways to live. I have been a Latter-day Saint for 40 years. If you can fully understand LDS Church, it is the best. He will help us through with his Holy Spirit. It's interesting as I read this, it says, it's important to recognize Jesus Christ, but there are ways to live. I think this perfectly evidences that problem that Mormonism has in placing the cart before the horse. We recognize Jesus, but there's a way to live. And it's like, but the way to live is the big part and recognizing Jesus is a small. I propose to you that the way you live will be a thousand percent better if you recognize Jesus more than just recognize Jesus, but worship Jesus and love Jesus and make him the center of your life. The way you live will then follow with great love and you'll walk with him in a way like you cannot believe. I understand Latter-day Saints are very good in the style that they live and the choices that they make and their, and their clean living. But clean living doesn't get you into heaven. There's only two things that can get you into heaven. Perfect living, living exactly by the law, never failing from birth to death, or Jesus Christ. We have a call on line one from Heber. Go ahead, Heber. Uh, hey there, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, so uh, I, I was going to say howdy, partner, but then I just noticed your sign disappeared. That's real <laughs> tricky. Yeah. How'd you do that? We cover that up with a graphic. 
Well, uh, you sounded like you were saying that at the Ward House on Sunday, for example, that we would that we should have some kind of altar call. Why not? Uh, but I just wonder. I know a lot of churches do that, and then the people come down. And sometimes maybe they want to have a prayer time or something, and and so forth. However, um, what if our the bishop might say, "Well, we we don't do that," and you know how it's all so very structured. It all comes down sort of from authority. It's very uniform. Yeah. So how could we break tradition? Do you do that? Do you no. have a ward that you go to? No, and I don't recommend that you you try to. Uh break tradition or start a little coup there in the chapel. I was speaking in terms of the authority having an altar call in the LDS wards. I think they would be amazed if they had a sermon on Jesus Christ and the need to confess him with your mouth and that if the saints would come forward and do that, I think they would be amazed at the amount of Latter-day Saints who would step forward totally uncertain of what that even meant before and willing to do it. doesn't happen. What if they said that? What if everybody did that next Sunday? But then again, of course, they could all say, well, we all testify that Jesus is the Christ and everything. And then they might also say, after that, you know, I mean, this is my experience anyway, we, we, you know, you'd say, and also that Joseph Smith's prophet in the Mormon Church is true. Would you want them to also say those things? No, but I think that the first thing that we need to do is bring Jesus into the picture and I think that he has some unbelievable ways of changing attitudes and opinions over time. And I don't think that things would happen overnight. But I think that the first step is to get Jesus into the hearts of the people and give them rebirth. Well, I might suggest it, but I just hope I don't get reprimanded or uh, excommunicated. I hope you do it, brother. Thanks so much. We're going to go to Marilyn on line two. Marilyn, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing? It's David. David, line two, how you doing? Good. Yeah, the, the most important thing, Sean, you're right, is on being born again. But uh, as you were saying, you're, you're calling out to God and Jesus, but it's got to be the God and Jesus of the Bible. Okay. It can't be a God who was once a man who progressed to be God, because there'll be many in that day that did many great works and called on Christ, and he's going to say, depart, I never knew you. Yeah. So being born again has to be born again with the right God and not a false God, which the Bible talks about continually. Well, David, I'm not talking about a, a faulty rebirth. I'm talking about genuine spiritual rebirth. I think if a person's heart genuinely longs to have Jesus come in and take over their life, forgive their sins, and lead them in their life through a brokenness, I think the real Jesus is going to appear. And I think that's true of the, of the savage who doesn't have access to a Bible who through nature asks God to forgive him of his failures, like Romans talks about, I think that, that God works that stuff out. But in Mormonism, Sean, the whole, the whole precept of the Mormon church is on who God is. And if he was once a man that progressed to be God, that's who most of the Mormons are going to be asking to come into their lives. And well, God has no saving powder. We have to be fair. And, and to be fair with that, I, we did hear... Gordon B. Hinckley say that they don't really follow that now. That's right. They, they, they said, people say outside the church say we have a different Christ. Yes, I do worship a different Christ. Yeah. The Christ and right. That's right. He, right. He, no, but talking about God, he, he said we don't stand that God was once a man, that it was a couplet. We have to give them room when they make progress in the right direction to applaud that but and not, not consider it. 
if not consider it uh, subversive. Yeah, but if, if you've got the wrong God, it doesn't matter how right you are on everything else, is my point. I agree, but I think the right God will, will reveal his face as the, the right, uh, uh, emo right um, spirit of the heart comes through the people. But they're going to go back into their Sunday school class and priesthood class and find out about the, the same thing of the God that they, that they really worship. Well, David, you, you think that, and you would have thought that would have happened with the Worldwide Church of God and all the teachings of Herbert W. Armstrong, but that didn't occur. And, and the leadership at the top, top were able, through takeouts, to take some changes and to slowly infuse those into that totalistic methodology, and they were able to get those people to come to the real Christ. So my whole point is not really to dispute the nuances that can, I know, be disputed biblically. I understand what you're saying. But my point is to let's put Jesus first and let him do the work. I, I agree. I just, uh, it's the Jesus of the Bible. Thank you. All right, brother. Bye-bye. We have Marilyn on line three. This is Marilyn? Hello, is this Sean? This is. Well, what I wanted to say is thank you so much for coming here to Utah and telling us about your experiences and for helping to make these people here in this state think because um, about Jesus. Because I was raised in a good Christian family and home. And then when I was 19, I met a Mormon, married him, moved here to Utah, worked 25 years at Brigham Young University. Ah. This, this afternoon, your talk you had with Greg, who is a BYU uh, religion teacher, yeah. I found it rather interesting because he made it, several statements, and one of them he made was, by their fruits shall ye know them. Yeah. And I must say that that is one of the things that got my attention and made me, after having served for years in the Mormon church, serving as a Relief Society president, mm -hmm. attending the temples many, many times. Uh -huh. And it made me stop and focus that the fruit isn't all that good and all is not well in Zion. Right. And uh, so I wanted to tell you that um, I appreciate you getting us to see many years I finally started to look and go back to Jesus Christ. And Marilyn, I really appreciate the compliments and the prayers and... Uh, we know that the fruits that the, that the Bible talks about are the fruits of love. And, and so I really appreciate this call. And we're going to, I'm sorry if I've cut you off. We're going to go to line one, Don from Ogden. Don, fire away. Hey, bless the name of Jesus. I just wanted to agree, Sean, with what you said as far as uh, uh, being born again to where it is a miraculous moment of, of change to where somewhere I had heard to where the, the, uh, uh, Oh, uh, this, the rebirth of a soul is a miraculous moment, but the manufacturing of a saint is the manufacturing of a lifetime. Amen. Uh, so when I was reborn in uh, 1982 uh, on a snow-filled mountain, the snow melted around me. God had this thing with fire and heat with me to where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And it does, it breaks my heart that I've been to uh, LDS Church a number of times and I see people testify of uh, uh, of Joseph Smith being the prophet and uh, 
the LDS Church being the only church, but I, I rarely see them give praise and glory to our Lord and Savior, to where He is the one that salvation is brought by. Amen. And uh, as I do. I love the LDS people, and and you know, pray for them so much within my heart, to where they are just wonderful people. But yet, as I feel that. I don't see that same personal relationship of what you know we have as Christians of a 24/7, 365 days a year. With every breath, we need to praise the Lord. Yes. With every heartbeat, to where we owe so much to God and never be able to uh, uh, fulfill a- anything of uh, of what He has ever done for us. To where this. That's our reasonable service is just yes. to praise him continually throughout the day and to bring others into the name of Jesus. To where uh, I don't ever remember feeling the spirit of the Lord in the LDS Church. I felt it with uh, members of the LDS Church. Right. But I, I never felt it except for one time I gave my testimony and I mentioned of uh, praying in tongues and was called down uh, from the uh, uh, pulpit mm-hmm. and at that moment i noticed up to the right of me i'd seen a cloud about 16 feet long and about eight feet wide with a ball of light the size of my fist radiating the glory of god and as i walked out i grabbed my bible and the church was really packed that day too they had to bring in uh, folding chairs and there were two people sitting by the door a man grabbed me by my sleeve and he told me he says that's the most awesome testimony i've ever heard in my life and when I left, they got up and left also. I'm curious if they were angels there to testify. Well, it sound like miraculous uh, events. Uh, Don, we appreciate your testimony. Thank you so much for the work you're doing, sharing Jesus. bless you. Keep praying for us. Okay, thank you. I'm going to read some questions here. Barton from Salt Lake City. What point does sin enter the birthing process? I don't think sin enters the birthing process. I think that uh, birth is a beautiful thing that, that, that we, we have of God, but... I think that um, what we have, um, Barton, is sin is, we are born into a world of sin. This is a fallen world, and we're born into it. And because we come into it, we are surrounded in a sinful state. And everything about the flesh is sinful from birth. And that's what I meant by that. Second question, Sarah from Nephi. Calling LDS not Christian is unfair. Christ is a sinner of the LDS church. Well, I will admit to you, Sarah, that Christ, the word Christ, is in the title of the church, and you do close your meetings with, with, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you do close your testimonies and your prayers with that. But Sarah, what I challenge you to do is when you go to church, you start tallying over a 52-week period how many lessons, messages, testimonies include real scriptural discussion about the Lord Jesus Christ or about his teachings directly from him. And Sarah, what you're going to find is that mostly uh, you're going to find meeting and, and you're going to find uh, meetings and you're going to find uh, and legalisms and you're going to find rules and you're going to find agendas and you're going to find a lot of very structured organizational things. But you come back in 52 weeks and if you prove uh, to me that in the Nephi area they talk about Jesus Christ, uh, uh, more than anything else, I, I will be. Uh, uh, I will apologize to you. I don't think that'll happen. Let's go to line three, John in Ogden. John, you're on. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm gonna just be really quick here. 
I just want would like you to expound on what it was you said earlier in the show about um, Gordon B. Hinckley backing off something to do with um, God was once a man and that we can become gods. Yeah. He, uh, he did it publicly. Uh, my facts may be wrong on what program, but it was either like a 60 Minutes or it was an interview with an Australian guy. Something tells me it was this Australian interviewer. And he said, oh, that's just a couplet uh, that Lorenzo Snow once said, as God uh, is, if man once was, as God, whatever that couplet is. Right. And uh, he backed off from that, from them adhering to that any longer. And that's what I was referring to. If you want to check that out online and find out, um, call us back and share it, and I'll be glad to give you all the details, but I know what was said, because I watched it personally. Okay, thanks. All right, man. Take care. Uh, oh, sorry, line two, Michael, Salt Lake City. Yes, what? I was calling in. Um, as you were talking about salvation and uh, how you know, Jesus died for our salvation. He's the Savior of the world. And I've had the experience in my life to... Uh, witness to a few people and see him come to God and to see the miraculous uh, movement of the Holy Spirit in these people when they don't have any hope and they don't have anything to hang on to and know that they're not forgiven. They think they have to clean themselves up to come to God, but he wants them just the way they are. Yeah. And when they're transformed by that miraculous the Spirit working within them and it humbles them and you see them bow at the waist and you see hope come into their lives, and it's a personal thing to see this. And when you see this and you know the power of God and you know the true born-again experience by watching it actually manifest in front of your eyes. And when <coughs> if more people could go out and see this happen, it would be such a wonderful thing because it would build their faith and it would show the true power of God it would. within us. Michael, let me ask you, you're from Salt Lake City. Yes. Do, uh, what do you think? What do you think would happen? If they had a non-denominational, non-invasive, non-prosthetic uh, revival meeting, and if the LDS Church just said, "Yeah, you know, our youth or our, our people, go ahead and go to that," what do you think would happen at that event if we had a, someone come and just preach from the Word about the importance of having Jesus as a personal Savior and spiritual rebirth? I think it would. I think it would be, would be like Pentecost because uh, if a Christian's on fire, people will come to watch them burn, and if the Holy Spirit is working within them. And they have that, every one of us have that commission to go out and speak the gospel and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe the front of the cross is salvation and healings and all these things, all the empowerment God's given us yeah. through the Holy Spirit is wonderful. And I, I, I witnessed to people that have accepted the Lord. And I have not got into their, I have not argued with them about uh, Catholicism or Mormonism and everything else. And I found out afterwards that they were LDS. So if the contention isn't there, and you put Jesus out there, yeah. then his power will work. He is either our Savior, or he isn't our Savior. If you believe, then it will happen. Amen. It's, it's, it's basically the power of God, the yeah. power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that dwells in us, yeah. that is going to draw these people in. It's not us anyway. It's by That's divine right. appointment, and it's by the Holy Spirit. It's no man that leads these people in. And it's no man that saves him. It's no man that heals him. It's God and the Holy Spirit. I am so glad that you called, Michael. You, you're uh, you're uh, echoing my very sentiments for years uh, of that it is Jesus and it is God, and our duty is to share him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He, he, this is it. We put him out there. It's on him to do it. It's not us. It's right. his word. Right. And by, we, by us watching 
the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, watching the revelation of God work through us. He said, don't take script. When it comes to that point in time, I mean, we have to read the Word to know it, to have it in us so it will come out of us. Right. But at that time, the Holy Spirit takes over. And sometimes I walk away from people, a drug addict or a prostitute, and I don't even know what I said. And I walk away thinking, what happened? But I watch that person walk away with hope, and I've had people ask me about uh, murder. Mike. I've had them ask me about abortion. And when they found out that they could be forgiven for this thing, it's uh, miraculous. In their life, and they knew that they were washed, and the Holy Spirit touched them. They had salvation, and the yeah. real salvation of Jesus Christ coming, the realization that they are forgiven. Yeah. And it's all through the blood, and Jesus didn't die for nothing. Michael. It's the blood of Jesus. Thank you, brother. Thanks for calling. Appreciate your testimony. Keep up the good work. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Uh, I got a question here. What do you think of Gordon B. Hinckley? Well, what I, do I think of Gordon B. Hinckley? I think Gordon B. Hinckley is a, is a wonderful guy. I'm appreciative of the example he sets of someone who lives his religion. I'm appreciative of the good life that he's led, apparently, and, uh, and, the, and the standards that he, the stand for something, and, and the standards that he says, and the hope, and he has a very positive approach when he gets from the pulpit. That's, that's my first response. My second response is Gordon B. Hinckley is a, is a sinner just like the rest of us. Gordon B. Hinckley needs to be saved by salvation just like I do, by Jesus Christ, and he doesn't do it on his own. I think Gordon B. Hinckley has a huge responsibility, and I would love to see him do something like stand up in general conference and say, Latter-day Saints, take down your pictures in your homes of me. Don't put up pictures of me and, and buildings. Put up a picture of the Lord if you have to. Put up scriptures on your wall and, and don't think that, uh, that I'm the thing that's going to lead you to salvation. The Lord is salvation. And, and I would love to see Gordon B. Hinckley do that. So while I appreciate what he is as a man, I think that uh, he could do a lot more as a leader of that church. All right, we're going to Linda on line three. Linda, you're on. Yes, hi, it's actually Melinda. Um, hi, Melinda. But the question I have is if you think or if you're saying that the Mormon Church is not centered around Jesus Christ. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that uh, what I'm saying in this message is that Mormons do not focus on spiritual regeneration through Jesus Christ. And where are you getting this from? How are you getting it from this? Are you a former Mormon, or have you been to you know our church? And well, I've studied Mormonism for uh, for many years, uh, from as far back as I could get. And I, and, I, and I am a former Latter-day Saint, 40 years, very active. Um, so I judged it by, um, for 40 years, judged it by what I saw. And I actually kept statistical records from my own area and from areas I visited. And I lived in Park City for two years. And then I also have ex uh, watched it from being a Christian and coming and visiting. So from those three perspectives, I think that I can offer some, not perfect, but some evidence that what I'm saying is correct. Okay. Well, it just, it just kind of baffles me how you say that if we were to step away and put Jesus Christ in the center, that we would, I don't know, be born again like you're saying, rebirth or something. But rebirth or something? Church, we have the sacrament. Uh -huh. I mean, that totally focuses on Jesus Christ. Yeah. You can choose to take it or not to take it. Right. But that completely centers around that. I, I don't understand where... I don't know, this feels like it's just a bashing on of the Mormon church and that it, 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 it convinced it, people to 
step back from what they've always believed in, or people like me who I was raised a little bit like that, not so much, you know, my parents were married in the temple or anything, Uh but later in life I had experiences, Mm -hmm. and then I came to love the church, love Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the center of everything that I am now. Well, Melinda, I wouldn't dispute that with you, and I would, from what you're saying, then I would just have to agree that you know the Lord, that He's your Savior, He's your only means of salvation, He's your way, truth, and life, you worship Him in spirit and in truth, you know that He is God incarnate, and when you, when you have that relationship with Him, who am I to dispute that? I believe that you're speaking truth, and when you pass on and you stand before God, absent in the body, present with the Lord, you're going to find that you were absolutely right or you were wrong. So I'm not going to, and I've never said that Mormons, and some Christians want me to say this, but I've never said that Mormons cannot go to heaven. I don't believe that at all, and you may be one who doesn't. I'm talking about Mormonism and their practices and their theology as a whole. In context, Melinda, I don't think you're going to be able to argue it. I don't want to argue it. But I just don't, I think you really want to believe it's there that way. And for you, it might be, but it's not as a, as a doctrine. Well, back to the comment, you said, I want to believe. I don't want to believe. I believe. I know it. Okay. Not well, if you know it, then you don't believe, Melinda, but we're not going to argue. I, I, I'm not bashing on the church. I'm trying to make progress in a church and a people that I love and consider my own. Yeah, but you can't tell me that I don't believe. I didn't say you don't believe, Melinda. You didn't listen to me. I didn't say that. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. This show's a bunch of crap. Okay. Melinda, I can see that you have been spiritually born again. <laughs> All right, we're going to Angie in Ogden. Hi. Hi. Um, I just barely caught your program as I was flipping channels. How are you? And you spoke about having a revival. Yeah. Down in Salt Lake. I will tell you now as an LDS person that you need not have one only in Salt Lake. You need to come to Ogden. And when you leave Ogden, hit the road and go on up to Logan and hit the university. Because having the privilege of being born in the Mormon church and being raised in the church, Uh I've also had the freedom of choice Uh to attend the Southern Baptist Church back in Virginia and listen to an excellent, excellent pastor. Hmm. I spent a year in um, St. Joseph going through the RCIA program there just so I can learn. And there is so much out there. And other people need to hear this. Angie. The Bible would be excellent. Angie, what a wonderful, what a wonderful, you know, this is going on DVD and this is going to be available online. Mm-hmm. And, and what a wonderful call you've made because you're, you're LDS, right? Yes, I am. And yet you've had the Jesus experience. You've come to understand who he is. Yeah. And, you, and you use the church, like everybody should use the church they go to, to help them in their life. But you have had the legitimate uh, spiritual regeneration. Yes, and I do have problems. I am working on a testimony because, honestly, from being out there and gathering so much information, which I went to my bishop originally with questions about our church, and he told me to search out the answers. Uh-huh. And, hey, I, I did it like I thought I was supposed to do it. And this, I found out so many more questions. Yeah. And I do love my bishop, and I love my ward, mm-hmm. and I love the people in the church. Mm-hmm. But a part of me longs to go back yeah. to here. Amen, and raise my hands in praise yeah. and know that Christ is there for me. Amen, Angie. Uh, praise God and, and go back. And the uh, Lord's leading you. Uh, I, I, I'm really grateful for that call. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. All right, another question here in written form. Um, what do you think of the Book of Mormon? 
you guys are throwing the, the big stuff at me. We're talking about spiritual rebirth, and you're asking me about all the things you want to hear me, me uh, say. Well, let me tell you what I think of the Book of Mormon. Uh, I think that Joseph Smith wrote the Book of Mormon. Um, I don't believe he translated it from golden plates. I think the book was an effort on his part to help bring a certain consistency to religion at that time in the 1820s, 1830. I believe the book is full of uh, Christ-centered messages. I think the book borrows heavily from the New Testament, King James Version. I think there's a lot of anachronistic difficulties with the Book of Mormon, meaning that there's direct quotes from Greek language that didn't exist at the time that it was quoted from. I think there's a lot of uh, themes that were very prevalent in the eight, 1800s that are referenced in the Book of Mormon. And, um, and I think that it had a purpose uh, in Joseph Smith's mind to kind of corral people into to believing a certain way and to get them cut free from a bunch of uh, infighting in the Christian community. I do not believe the Book of Mormon is divine. I think it is a piece of literary fiction. Uh, I, I love Victor Hugo and his writings of fiction. I think the Book of Mormon at times could be considered uh, good in that way. But by no means do I compare it in any way, shape, or form with the Bible. The Bible is supported linguistically, genetically, historically, archeo archeologically. Uh, any way that you really want to take it, you can support the Bible events. I, by faith, accept the Bible as the Word of God, as inerrant and infallible. The Book of Mormon has not one, not one verifiable archaeological evidence, not one linguistic evidence, not one genetic evidence, not one historic evidence. And I think that the amount of faith it takes to believe in that book, if it could be transcended into the Bible and to the Lord, would be a far better purpose. And that's my answer on what I think of the, Mormon, of the Book of Mormon. Uh, uh, line three is Mitch from Ogden. Mitch, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm You're doing well, brother. Right? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm Mitchell. I was just kind of calling to, to testify. Uh, I was raised LDS, um, you know, for 33 years, and I uh, I got addicted to cocaine and crank uh -huh. and methamphetamine, you know, and, and I went to this 12-step group, and they said, Mitch, you got to get saved. And I said, I was saved. When I was eight, I got baptized. Uh -huh. They said, well, brother, you know, you need to do like the Bible says, confess Jesus your Lord and Savior, asking Thank to come you for into your heart the and, and be your Lord and Savior. Oh, and at first hi. I, really, um, I just, you know, a, I just it, wanted to ask you a question And so one day I caught myself out in a field. I just got on my hands and knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my life, come into my heart, and he did and set me instantly free from 15 years of cocaine and crank addiction. Amen. Good. That is beautiful. Amen. You know, Mitch, stay on the line for a second. Latter-day Saints listeners, did you hear that? This stuff is not make-believe. This man went out with a major problem broken in his life. He asked the Lord to take over, and he was healed, and he is a full Christian now, Mitch? Yeah. I just finished three years of Bible school. I figured if, I, if God will knock me over like that and set me free from drugs and alcohol and, and everything I was into, I, I said, well, I better go out to Bible school and, and learn all I can about this God that sets you free. So Praise I just God. Three years of Bible school. and. And um, I just want to help others, you know, receive that salvation, asking Jesus into their life. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for calling, Mitch. Please share the show with others, and, uh, and we'll talk to you again.
Okay, God bless you. Bye, God bless you. Line one, Cameron. Line one. Cameron, go ahead. Hey, uh, I just want to say that uh, you know, I'm a born-again Christian, and uh, my wife's a born-again Christian, and uh, we, we got baptized a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, her, her, her family is LDS, and okay. it's just, it's really hard for them to accept that, you know, how, what we did, and, and just how, you know, how God has entered our life, and now, now they're just kind of, you know, really standoffish to her now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's just really hard. I, I can't believe how, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, you know, towards Mormonism, you know, I mean, they're great people. Right. You know, they're they're really you know they're really you know happy people it seems like, but uh, you know they I just can't seem how I can't see how they can have the word Jesus Christ in their church and not follow and believe in you know the steps that they do. Right. You know, and it's just well, there's a, there's a lot of that in a lot of different religions, and in this state, like you've seen, this is the burden, and that's why we address it. But uh, praise God for your baptism and. Uh, Prayer, I've found, Mitch, helps me with the mistreatment from others, whether they, from wherever they come from. Right. I, got a bunch, I got a bunch of lines, Mitch. I'm going to let you go. Okay. God, God bless, brother. Hey, thanks, man. Bye-bye. I got to read this quickly uh, and a quick answer. This came in. If you don't know the true nature of Jesus, can you still go to heaven? Uh, I'm not a theologian, but uh, I don't think that, a child of eight or ten knows the true nature of Jesus. I think they, they could get it spiritually when they're born again. But the true nature, I'm not sure any of us have a full, complete grasp of the absolute true nature of Jesus. And I think we, by faith, we trust the essentials of Jesus. So I think if you have the essentials, yes, you can go to heaven. And uh, I, I answer it that way. We're going to, uh, let me see, we're going to another question. What is your definition of grace as a Christian and as a Mormon? Uh, Grace is an unmerited gift. There's the textbook answer. It's an unmerited gift. Uh, There's no cost. There's no payment. Uh, There's no uh, anything you have to do to earn it, to keep it, to maintenance it. Grace is given by God a gift from Him to you. That's my Christian definition of it. The LDS version of grace Uh, includes works. Um, That's being redefined right now by many LDS scholars and intellectuals, saved by grace after all that we can do. The Book of Mormon teaches that. But uh, I think essentially most Mormons still believe that you're saved after all you can do, meaning work, 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 and uh, and, uh, then you're going to be saved. I'm going to jump in and, and, and finish with this analogy. In Southern California, there's an island that sits off the coast called Catalina. And it sits 27 and a half miles, I think, off off the coast. And I want you to pretend or just think of a pier, the Huntington Beach Pier. And it jets out about a half a mile into the water. All right? And I want you to imagine that the entire human race is filing into that pier. And every single person on that pier gets as long of a run as they want to jump off the end and try to reach the island, all right? The slowest, heaviest person, fattest person like me is going to get off that pier a few feet and land in the water. And you're going to take some great Olympic athlete who lunges off, and he's going to land about 10 feet ahead of me. And we all land in our spots at the end of that pier trying to get to that island 27 and a half miles away. 
When you look at that group of people, the distance right there might seem like a lot. Wow, he really jumped farther than me. But if you go up in an airplane and you look at the end of that pier, you're just gonna see a mass of people right at the very tip. And no one looks like they're very much further ahead of the other one. The distance between the end of that pier and the island itself is grace. And you can leap all you want and you can jump out and you can think you're making great progress, but when you, real grace and the Lord saving you is when you jump off and he just grab, he grabs you and says, you've jumped in a leap of faith that I am your God and, and I'm going to lead your life. And he just carries you over there and sets you on it. There's the difference. I get the feeling sometimes that Latter-day Saints think, I'm going to jump a little bit farther than the other guy or I'm going to jump farther each time. So each time I jump, I'm going to make progress and it's going to show God, boy, I'm really, really trying to do this. And you're just, you're just so far away from the goal, you can't even believe it. And that's why we have the Lord who came and he offered himself up as a perfect sacrifice, who lived a perfect life, who completely obeyed the Father's will because we couldn't, who, who did everything the Father wanted because he loved the Father with the right motivation and right intention, who had no sin and who not deserving it, let himself be punished for our transgressions. With his stripes, we are healed. So when we view Jesus in that way, and we, and we bring him into our hearts in that way, realizing that we're not getting anywhere on the jump, then I think we're going to start get a little bit closer in the LDS church and in some of the Christian churches to who Jesus really was. I'd like to close the show and thank you for your participation and for your calls. I ask you to pray for this show and pray for the people, the crew, um, anybody who's involved in it, that they'll stay healthy. I ask you to pray for your LDS neighbors and for your other neighbors who aren't saved. I ask you to be a, an example and a light to them as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in a combative way, not in a way that's going to offend people or, or hurt feelings or insult their intelligence, or insult them, or insult the religion that they belong to since they were children. If I've done that on this show tonight, I am sorry. I do not want to insult you. I, I, I have more, my whole family is LDS. I don't want to insult them. I, I want to come to you in love and share only really one thing. You can ask all the questions about my opinions of the prophet and the Book of Mormon and all the other things, but really my, my sole basis is to introduce the real and living Jesus Christ to you as a personal savior that you can have through spiritual rebirth. So let me end the show with the challenge that I give each time, each two times. The challenge is this. Look at yourself and look at your heart. This challenge takes nothing. Go Do it in the quiet of your bedroom, in a car, in the mountains. Do it all alone and just look at the condition of your heart. Realize what you're really like when you're standing before God. Realize what you're like in the quiet movements. Realize what you're like if you're jealous or if you're envious. Realize really what your makeup is when you're pushed. Martin Luther said, the human flesh cannot overcome it. If we can overcome it amongst our friends, just put us in front of our enemies. Flesh and blood cannot overcome our human will. And so I think that's true. So realize who you are, and when you do, let your heart break. And realize that God, because he loved the world, sent his only begotten son, that whoso would believe in him should find everlasting life. Now, go to him and say, Heavenly Father, I want to be forgiven of my sins. 
I ask you to take care of them through Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, and I ask you to have Jesus take over my life. If you do this with real intent, recognize that verse, and if you do this in faith, he will take over your life and let you go on as a born-again believer. Pray for revival in the state of Utah. Pray that somebody will step forth and help revival get initiated in this state so that Latter-day Saints and Christians will become stronger and stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ, walking with Him, obeying Him, being reborn in Him, now and forevermore. I thank you very much for your calls and for tuning in. Good night. I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out I'm going in This man's awake a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light 